Hey friends, welcome to the Her God Story podcast, where you will always hear a good story to encourage and inspire you in your walk with the Lord. And I have an incredible story for you today. I'm your host, Jody Caracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America International, author and traveler on this journey of faith. Hey, if you can take a moment to like or follow this podcast on your favorite streaming platform, you won't miss a single of my amazing guests. You know, Moses was a man who knew God. He talked face to face with God as one does with a friend. And God tells and shows Moses a lot about who he is and his character. In Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7a uh, in the NIV, God passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. It was important for Moses to know God's character so he could fully trust and follow God. I mean, God had big things for Moses. He, he needed to know he could trust in God. And you know, it's the same for us today. My guest, Laura Mino, has been diligent to discover the character of God and learn his ways so she can walk with him and trust him as a friend. Laura and her family are lifelong friends of mine, and shortly after they came to Christ, they were instrumental in my family receiving Jesus and walking in the fullness of the Spirit. As an Air Force wife and mother of four, it would have been easy to let doubt and fear dominate her life, but she knows God is trustworthy, and that made all the difference. Welcome, Laura. Thank you, Jody. It's nice to be with you. So, Laura, you grew up in Massachusetts in a traditional family setting. Uh, share briefly about your background and some of the things your parents instilled in you at a young age. Yes. Well, I, I grew up in a small town north of Boston, and back then in uh, ancient history, in the 50s, <laughs> um, we had horses, we had a very large vegetable garden. And so, as you can imagine, my older sister, Joyce, and I had a lot of chores. So our parents instilled a good work ethic in us, but also we were expected to be polite. We were expected to respect and honor uh, our elders, and we were to care for the poor. We were to sh we learned how to share. Just really good life lessons that really have served both my sister and myself, uh, up, up into our late seventies and, and my sister, her early eighties. So I'm grateful, uh, for my parents. They were kind, they were generous, they were loving, they were strict. Um, and they were very involved in the community, but faith and church did not play a significant role in our lives. We grew up in a liturgical, uh, setting but my father never went to church with us because as a young 12-year-old, he had had enough of a very strict church that his family attended. And so really, he kind of put God to the side for the rest of his life, but he did live a moral life for which I'm very grateful. And during college, uh, you met a very dashing and very daring young man. Uh, who you eventually married, and he joined the Air Force and became a fighter pilot, which took you initially from Massachusetts to Arizona, where he had pilot training, and then to many other destinations, as all military families do. Uh, and military life, that was a huge, huge change for you. How did you adjust to that, and how did you manage all the responsibilities that come with military life especially when you started having children. That's right. Um, military life is very different. But interestingly enough, my father enlisted in the Navy as a CB during World War II, and he didn't meet me until I was two years old. So grew up in a very patriotic family, but also my dad adored my husband, Chris, and he gave wise counsel as we were getting married that, you know, you're going to be a military wife. And with that comes a lot of responsibility and you need to be supportive and realize that your life is going to look very different than it did growing up in a small New England town. 
also my mother had had polio as a young girl. And so she had learned to be very strong and I would say a gracious survivor. And so she really modeled uh, being a strong woman and a faithful wife and mother. So I, I thought I was well prepared. And actually, it was a learning curve the whole time I was in the military. And I do want to say, if there are any military wives listening, we really do encourage you and uh, know that, that God is with you and faithfully will see you through every situation you find yourself in. Um, I have a great a admiration for military families, especially in this day and age. I think it's even harder to move around and with with young children, but... I can say that God is always preparing us. We don't realize it. And he's always with us. So we don't have to fear whatever. I became a military wife, but others, God is calling to a different, perhaps a different life. But God is the same and will never leave us, never forsake us. During that era, the, the uh, Vietnam War was raging uh, kind of early on in your marriage. And once Chris was done with pilot training, he was sent over and actually flew 100 combat missions there. Many, many men didn't make it back or they made it back years later. They were they were uh, shot down and, and prisoners of war. But after Chris got back, you all moved to England where he was stationed. Uh, and that probably felt like a huge relief to you. I mean, he made it home. Uh, you were together again as a family. Uh, life was pretty good as you settled into your house and you made friends and you know, at this time you were raising two children, uh, but suddenly things changed. What happened? Yes. Well, let me just back up a little bit, Jody, because I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus, but I did pray. And my prayer every night was, Lord, please protect my husband when, when he was flying over North Vietnam and bring him home safely. And I'll never, ever, ever argue with him again. That was always my prayer. And of course, I think, uh, I picked Chris up at the airport and I don't know, at some point within two hours, we had a little, a little argument of some sort. And I look back on that and, and I'm glad that I didn't have to be an expert in praying. God was still hearing my prayers, but yes, we did end up going to England. And that's when I first met your mother. I had been in England less than 24 hours when I was um, strongly advised to come to a women's coffee. And my, our sponsor picked me up and then she promptly went off and started talking with a group, another group of ladies. And I was standing there kind of frozen and like, oh, what am I doing here? I know nobody. And this precious woman named Mary Nelson walked up and introduced herself and invited me to come sit with her. And you know, Jody, little did we know how important that friendship would be later and how many lives have been affected by the relationship that Chris and I developed with your parents. Then suddenly one day, Chris was out flying a routine maneuver and the um, they call it the joystick froze and Chris no longer had control over his airplane and he was going straight down and eyewitnesses saw his canopy come out right under the cloud covering, which was a thousand feet, feet, and he was going supersonic. Uh, there is no way in the natural that could Chris could have survived bailing out that fast and at that low of an altitude. He needed at least four seconds for his chute to open, and he had less than one one second to ground impact. So we knew that he had experienced a miracle, but we really didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, at this time, you're off base. You were living off base right. with your kids and uh, had no idea this happened. And all of a sudden, these guys show up at your door. I mean, That's what, right. Yes. What did you think? Well, uh, first of all, it was the squadron commander and the flight surgeon. So that is not good news. And I was standing at the front door with my hand on the doorknob and thinking to myself, if I never open this door, I never have to face the truth. Crazy. 
that I thought that. But all of a sudden, what I didn't know was they had brought one of the, the wives from the squadron with them to spend the night with me. And she popped her head up between their shoulders and mouthed, he's alive. And I thought, oh my goodness, he didn't, he wasn't killed. And I opened the door and, and brought them in. And one of the, um, one of the in, very interesting side notes, Jody, on that was the previous Sunday, Chris had said to me, you know, I have a new backseater, navigator, and I'd like for you to bake a cherry pie for us to bring up to him. So I said, sure. At this time, we had two children, very active, three-year-old and, and um, almost one-year-old. But I baked the pie and off we went and <clears throat> had a very difficult time finding their home because they lived off of a, a small lane and you had to drive on a dirt road up a hill to their home. But anyhow, we went up there, visited, met his wife and four young children, all under the age of seven. And when the squadron commander and the flight surgeon came, they briefed me and they said, look, we're not going to take you to the British hospital tonight because they're, they're going to get a good night's sleep, but we'll take you the following morning up to the American hospital where they're going to be transporting them. So I thought that was fine. And they said, there are a lot of uh, injuries. We're not sure which broken arm belongs to which one. And so we'll just, we'll find out more details and let you know. And then they said, by the way, do you know where the henna bushes live? Because he had just arrived. They had moved into this home. There was no telephone. They literally had no way of reaching him uh, or his wife. If except for the cherry pie, Jody, I wouldn't have known. But I, so again, we never should underestimate the importance of baking a pie and bringing it to someone because you never know how God's going to use it. Yeah, they needed. They didn't know where where the family lived, so you were able no. to tell them. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was amazing. So that was a little glimpse of God being involved in all of the details. Yeah. So the following day, we they picked both myself and the other wife up, took us up to the hospital, and that's when we began to realize the gravity of the and extent of the injuries that both Chris and Mike had received. Yeah, it was miraculous that they survived, but they had a long road to recovery. And yes. even though you hadn't committed your life to Christ yet, when you look back, you can see all the ways that God was compassionate and gracious and caring for you, even then, like, you know, and you and, and well, the, the first thing that comes to family. my mind is our um, landlady, when, when they, share they found maybe out maybe one or two other said, oh, ways that you said, really I have sensed the presence of the Lord. Goes or when you look back, you can see the, the graciousness Ipswich, of God which is the on the town we lived in, out, um, which is east, east of uh, Cambridge, England. And she said, would you mind if I asked them to pray for you? And I said, oh, that would be wonderful. And then I also heard of my mother meeting someone from our, a local church in our town and asked for prayer. So suddenly prayer groups were praying for us. And I didn't even, I've, I've never been to a prayer meeting in my life, you know, didn't realize the importance of that. And then also I had a wonderful lady that cared for our children. And my goodness, she stepped up to caring for Chris and Carrie seven days a week because the first two months that uh, after Chris's accident, I was going every single day to the hospital, bringing food to try to get him. He was losing weight and they were concerned about that and and helping to feed him because both both arms and legs were broken. He couldn't feed himself. So there was a lot of uh, help that was needed there at the hospital. So I just saw, looking back, God was already providing for me. And I didn't realize at the time that it was him. But that, you know, that terrible accident, that was the thing 
that God used to draw you and Chris to himself. Share how God worked in both of your hearts and how you ultimately surrendered your lives to God. So after three and a half months, Chris was medevaced back to MacDill Air Force Base in Tampa, Florida. And the day before we left, your mother came with all of her cleaning supplies and helped me clean the house that we were moving out of. And we said a tearful goodbye. And an hour later, my phone rang and your mother said, Laura, Gary's, that's your your dad, for those listening, uh, Gary's assignment has been changed. You were going to Tucson, Arizona. We're now going to McDill and we'll see you there. And I can remember being so excited that I was going to have friends that I already knew in Tampa. Again, this was the Lord uh, moving and directing our lives in such a way that he could bring salvation to both of our households. Chris was medevac back in a body cast. They took the body cast off, re-x-rayed, and they discovered that none of the broken bones had started healing properly. So the uh, orthopedic surgeon said, Chris, you're a mess. We're going to have to go in and re-break every bone, and we're going to use rods, which were very rare at that time, Jody. But this, his father-in-law was a doctor in Germany, and the Germans really were the ones that perfected this procedure of using metal rods and plates and pins to help with uh, recovery. And so Chris started extensive surgery. And a chaplain that was on reserve duty came into Chris's room after Chris had received this news and actually before I had even heard of it. And he shared the love of Jesus with Chris. And Chris had a vision of Jesus on the cross, looking down at him saying from the cross, Chris, I did this for you. And the chaplain had explained to Chris, look, Christianity is actually not a religion because religion means to be, to bind up. He, it actually means a relationship. And really Christianity is the only uh, place that we see God reaching down to humanity as opposed to man attempting to reach up to God. And that really touched Chris's heart. And he had a very emotional experience with Jesus. When he shared it with me, I really couldn't identify with it. Before we knew it, Chris was starting to be able to come home on weekends and walking with a with in, with a cat legs and cast and canes and crutches and and the recovery long recovery actually of seven years began. And a year later, we had met with some friends and they talked more to us about Jesus. We had, hadn't been able to find anybody that understood what had happened to us, but they were able to explain what had happened. And that night, Chris had another emotional experience where God spoke to him. And he said to Chris, I know you come to me for the healing of your leg. As far as I'm concerned, your leg is healed, but for you, it's going to take a long time. And, and Chris just kind of, I think he was what they call slain in the spirit. He just kind of passed out into the, in the presence of the Lord. And the next morning when he woke up, he was different. And I could see the difference. And I'm embarrassed to say, but I was not a happy camper. Because there was such a radical change in Chris's life and his lifestyle. And see, Jody, we had kept our relationship with your parents going. We were going to one church. Your parents were going to another. And both of those churches had an adult Sunday school class where we actually talked about current affairs and not the Bible. So we pick up by... um, donuts and your mom would have coffee on and after church we'd get together and we would share so suddenly our conversations were different because we were talking about what we were learning at church which we'd never talked about 
in England in the fighter pilot setting. So when Chris had this experience and change, very soon he started praying for me, as did these neighbors that have moved into our apartment building. And I had a an experience with the Lord as well, where I completely surrendered to the Lord. Now, a lot of people listening might go, oh my gosh, they had a lot of radical experiences, a lot of, you know, emotionalism. God was speaking to them. I believe that one of the reasons God moved in that way in our lives was we were in a desperate situation. Surgery after surgery, certain procedures were not working. They had even discussed possibly having to amputate one of Chris's legs. So it was a very challenging time. And I believe in God's graciousness, his loving kindness, his said, as it says in Hebrew, he did a powerful, quick work in our lives. And suddenly our conversations around the Nelson table with coffee and donuts radically changed. But you didn't actually accept the Lord when Chris first came home and said, hey, I had a revelation of Jesus. No. There came a a point where you had that um, moment where you had to surrender as well. And that was, you know, that was a, a challenging heart rending thing for you. It was. You see, we, by that point, we were, like I said, we were attending church. We had these neighbors that I called radical Christians in our apartment building. And she was giving me Bibles to read. And I read God's Smuggler. And I thought, oh my goodness, Bibles are being brought in behind the Iron Curtain into uh, the communist world. I was shocked that God would actually worked the same way he did in biblical times. And I also had read, they speak with other tongues. And I was like, oh my gosh, these newfound friends of my husband's are very, very radical and very, very out of control. And so I was very resistant. And Chris was faithfully praying. And Jody, within two weeks, he called me one morning and he said, Honey, I just love you so much, and I want you to come to know Jesus the way I do. And I just said, Chris, you and your newfound religion are great for you, but not for me. And I I said, not interested, and I hung up. Jody, I'd never hung up on anybody, and I don't think I ever have since. But I was now recognized that I was under heavy conviction. And Chris... That evening, he came home, and we were eating dinner in the middle of dinner. If it wasn't bad enough that I'd hung up on him, he said, oh, honey, I invited our neighbors to come up for dessert uh, this evening. And I was like, I I was shocked. I thought, he doesn't get it. I am not going to get involved in his newfound religion. And Jody, I took our sheepdog, Ollie, and I left Chris with the two children dishes on the table. And I went went out for a walk. I said, this is crazy. And as I got to the bottom of the staircase, I sensed the presence of the Lord. And I didn't know how anybody would sense the presence of the Lord. But you know what? You don't have to know the Lord. If he shows up and you're in his presence, you know who it is, just like Saul on the, on the road to Damascus. And I started kind of trembling inside. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've got to get out of this neighborhood because God might do something crazy in my life. (laughs) So I went over to the baseball field and I stood behind the diamond and I just had my hands on that chain link fence. And I sensed the Lord speaking to me, not in an audible voice, but just the thought, you've come to a T-junction in your life. And you're either going to be all for me or you're going to be against me. And so I said, well, Lord, I've always been for you. And I always had a tender heart towards God, but I didn't have that personal connection with him. And he said, well, if you are all for me, raise your hands. And see, I had seen people worshiping the Lord with their hands raised, and I thought it was just way too emotional. 
And Jody, I worked my fingers up the chain link fence. And that's the international sign of surrender, raising our hands. Yeah. And that's when I surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And my knees buckled. And then I'm 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 weeping in the presence of the Lord. The dog is lapping my the tears off my face. <laughs> I have no idea how long I was there. But when I came back, Chris, still in a leg cast and on crutches, had bathed the two children, put them to bed, done the dishes, and he and our two neighbors were sitting in the living room with very long faces. And I walked in, and they looked at me. I had a smile from ear to ear, and Chris said, what has happened to you? And that really began um, our walk together in growing in the Lord, loving the Lord, serving the Lord, sharing the love of Jesus. I would not change that decision for anything in the world. The peace, the joy, the strength, the courage that all comes from knowing Jesus. Yeah, and you had been a self-reliant, good person. And, uh, you know, a lot of people out there might think, well, you know, you're a good person. Of course, you're going to go to heaven. But that doesn't cut it with God. I mean, he makes a provision for everybody, no matter how good or how bad, to come to him because of Jesus, his death and his resurrection. But we all have to have that surrender moment. Yes, we Surrendering do. to God. After that surrendering, and we started sharing with your parents very quickly, you, your sister Debbie, your brother Mark, David wasn't even on the radar screen at that point, uh, and your parents all came to know the Lord. We just, everything that we shared, it was like, oh my gosh, yes. And of course, we'd show your parents uh, in the Bible where it was, and you kids would hang around and start listening to what we were saying. And I remember God touching you, touching uh, Debbie, touching Mark. Uh, it was a glorious time. Uh, God was moving. Jody, it was during the Jesus movement. It was during the charismatic renewal. And uh, I just recently saw Jesus Revolution, and I was just reliving like, oh, my gosh, that's, that's when we came to know the Lord. We would get a phone call from your parents at like 2 o'clock in the morning. Hey, what are you doing? Uh, well, we're trying to sleep. Do you want to come over and pray? <laughs> and um, we 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 would show we would drive to your parents. The four of us would get well, three of us on our knees. Chris couldn't get on his knees, uh, and we would pray one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. It was just, and we weren't the only ones that were doing this. God was just moving in a spontaneous way, and it was a wonderful time. And I believe that we're going to see that once again. Amen. Well. So you came to Christ, but what did you do to grow in your faith? I mean, you were in churches that seems like weren't necessarily really discipling people in their walk with the Lord at the time. How did you grow in your faith and what changes did you experience in your life? Because, you know, when we come to the Lord, we are instantly saved, but God does a work in our life over time to deliver us from things that need to change in our life. And it, what happened with you, Laura? I mean, how did your life change? Even though I was confident and self-reliant, I also battled with a, I would say, a stronghold of fear. And that kept me from really doing a lot of things that I would have liked to have done. And that was one of the first things that God began to deal with in my life. And as we started reading the Word of God, you know, you cannot read the Word of God and not start changing because it discerns the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. And so little things like maybe being proudful, all of a sudden you're, it's like you're seeing in a mirror, a spiritual mirror, oh my goodness, God resists the proud, but he loves the humble. Lord, break any pride that I have in my life. I, I do want to walk humbly with you. And you know, I just encourage people don't be afraid to ask God to humble you. We, we, I think sometimes we get suspicious, uh, a, a superstitious, excuse me, like, 
oh, don't pray for God to humble you because then terrible things are going to happen. You know what? God is a loving God. He loves us and he does want to help us change and grow and reflect more of his love, but he's not a mean God. He does it with grace and kindness. And so I, both Chris and I started experiencing the Lord challenging us in behavioral patterns that we had. For me, it was fear. And so I began to say, okay, what does scripture say about fear? And in 2 Timothy, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. So Jody, I started memorizing that verse and I started saying it every time I started getting fearful thoughts. And then also it talks about in 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, it talks about spiritual warfare. And it says that we're to take every thought captive into the obedience of Christ Jesus. So every time I had a fearful thought, I said, no, I'm taking that into the obedience. Jesus took this fear of my on the cross for me, and he set me free from it. And so I intentionally started agreeing with God and battling against that spirit of fear in my life. And it wasn't long before I began to see little places where I was no longer reacting out of fear, but out of trust, trusting in the Lord. And we, so many of us know that scripture from Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't go to that old pattern of, okay, I understand I need to be fearful here. No, you don't need to be fearful of circumstances. We need to walk in fear and reverence of the Lord. So I would say that that was my big battle that I had to um, get set free from. When you get set free from something that's a stronghold in your life, it bursts a dam that now begins to cultivate other qualities and characteristics in your life. And for me, it was trust. And well, okay, if I'm trusting God, then I'm going to put my hope in the Lord. And it just starts snowballing. And before you know it, you're beginning to understand the character of God and that God wants to cultivate that same character in you, the fruit of the spirit, love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, self-control. Again, don't be afraid to pray for patience. That's another one that people go, oh, don't pray for patience for me. No, no, no. Don't be afraid. God wants us to be uh, open with him and be honest. He already knows our flaws. He knows our battles. So why not agree with him in prayer and ask him for help? He's our very present help. Yeah, I think it's so good that you said, you know, and it's true that you said that so many times we're suspicious of God's ways or his motives. But we have to remember, he gave Jesus to die on the cross so we could have a relationship with him. How would he not also graciously give us all things, it says in Romans? You know, he's a, like you said, he's a loving and gracious God. We don't have to be afraid of how he's going to work in our lives. The result is going to be good and he's going to be gracious in the midst of it when we surrender to him. So Laura, you were, you were really in a strong Christian fellowship in Tampa in those early years of your, uh, of your walk with the Lord. But with the military, you don't stay in one place for too long. And Chris eventually was given orders uh, and you had to move again and then again and again. But in all the places you went, God was with you. Uh, what was he teaching you along the way? And how did you apply those lessons in your life? We had a good mentorship relationship, your parents and we with the Kents. And uh, many people would attend their Tuesday night prayer meeting, Bible study, fellowship, where there would be 80 plus people. And the Kents were very gracious to bring in a lot of good teachers. And then we also uh, went to Bayshore Methodist with uh, Pastor 
Bob Shella, yes. And again, heard good teaching. And I think it's so important. We were going to Bible studies. We were going to prayer meetings. We were going to conferences, Christian conferences. We were being saturated with the word of God and we were growing in the word. And that foundation was solid foundation on the rock of Jesus Christ was being built. And so we recognize the need for fellowship. And I, I would encourage everybody because, uh, we're we're talking today, Jody, right after Easter, but you know Jesus after the resurrection stayed and was very compassionate and loving and kind with the disciples, and he continued to teach them. He broke bread with them. He encouraged them, and they. I love on the way to the road of Emmaus that after Jesus stayed with them and broke the bread, they realized who he was. And they said, oh my gosh, our hearts were burning as we were talking with them. And they didn't realize they were talking with them. And then Jesus increased their understanding of the scripture. And that's what was happening. But we we have to keep feeding ourselves, Jody. We have to be in the word. We have to be in fellowship. Iron sharpens ironing. Iron. We learn from one another. So I would say that was the greatest lesson we took from leaving our fellowship, the spiritual cocoon we were in, in Tampa. And so everywhere we moved from then on, our number one responsibility was to find a good church. And as our children began to grow, it was like, okay, what's the best church for our children that has the best children's programs and where they're going to grow? Uh, where are we going to be heard the the truth preached uh, in church? And where is there healthy fellowship? So that was our primary goal wherever we went was to establish ourselves. And, you know, in the military, you can't waste any time because you never know how long you're going to be somewhere. We the, Our longest assignment was five years and our shortest was three months. So you you just... You have to make that a top priority. And I would say, say, regardless if you're in the military or not, you should always make it a top priority to be in fellowship and so that you continue to grow in the Lord. And, and I'm even thinking now how, and we'll talk about this later, but I'm still growing in the Lord. I'm, and I'm amazed at the work God is doing in my life now. And it's like, I'm 79. To God be the glory until... He calls us home. So I would say that that was the most important thing for us. And Jody, what really amazed us was that God began to use us. So we were either sitting under someone teaching us the word, personally studying the word, or we were found ourselves teaching the word. All of a sudden, we were asked to teach a high school Sunday school class. And or, or Chris was, and then I was asked to teach children's church. Well, we would study all week long the lesson that we were going to present the next Sunday. And I've heard of so many people sharing the same thing. That's how you grow and begin to be used by the Lord. But Christianity is not for wimps. We're called to be bold. We're called to be courageous. We are called to be followers of Christ regardless of the cost. And we need one another to spur one another on uh, in that. And so we just found that we started hosting prayer meetings in our home, Bible studies. Chris met with um, men early in the morning at every base that he was stationed at where he would be accountable and, and they would pray together. And, and I would look for uh, women's Bible studies to be involved in. And I even ended up, Jody, at one point, lead, being the youth leader at our last assignment in back in England because nobody else would do it. And I had two teenagers and someone had to. So it's, it's just amazing how God prepares us along the way. And he never uses perfect people. He uses people that are under construction. Yeah, so you already, you know, you talked kind of about how 
you just prepared by getting into the word, but how did you have the courage to step into those leadership roles today? You know, we have um, seminaries and Bible schools and Bible certificates and, and those are important. Don't get me wrong. They are are important. Mm -hmm. Um, But not everyone can invest the time and the, um, the train, you know, to go into that in-depth training. So how did you have the courage to step, to step into those leadership roles? I mean, you were fairly new in the Lord yourselves. Right. Well, remember my stronghold was fear. Mm. And when God set me free from fear, I was free indeed. And I think this courage that had been kind of held prisoner in me was just able to bloom. I love the, one of my favorite passages is Isaiah 61 and it's the prophetic ministry of Jesus. And it says that God sent Jesus to bind up the brokenhearted and set the captives free. And God had set me free from fear. And I also have to say, I was married to a fearless man. And because Chris had had some very emotional, unique experiences in the Lord, he became very, very bold in his faith. And you know, Jody, it's interesting because because Chris couldn't fly during the uh, Vietnam conflict and we had prisoners of war, he started being asked to go and speak places about the, the prisoners. And that was a preparation that God gave for public speaking. And then it wasn't long before someone asked him to share his testimony. And he thought, well, if I can talk to crowds about the prisoners of war and the need for us to be aware of them and support them and pray for their families, I guess I can tell people about Jesus. And so I really say sometimes I just had to hold on to Chris's coattails. It was like, Okay, Lord, here we go. Um, and you just have to, Jody. you just have to trust the Lord when he gives you opportunities. He doesn't set, he doesn't ask you to be a Billy Graham overnight. Um, but he asks you to be faithful in the little things. I started teaching the kids and before long, My gosh, you and your siblings and my kids, we're all singing about Jesus. We're we're dancing around, praising the Lord. And suddenly your mother and I start learning how to minister to children about Jesus. And um, I think that the Lord took your mother in the direction of intercessory prayer and, 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 and God kind of took me in the direction of starting to be involved in children's ministry. And and I remember even at um, the children's birthday parties, I, I looked for little opportunities to incorporate something about Jesus in them. So again, it's small steps. Be faithful in the little things that God asks you to do. And just remember, when God opens a door, he's got your hand. You're not going in there alone. He's with, he is there with you. So I yeah, guess it's his me, spirit. It's his spirit flowing through us that does all the work anyway. He just wants us to be there as his vessel. That's right. That's right. And I, and I really do believe that we need to be willing more than ever, Jody, to be mm. obedient to the, to the Lord and what he's asking us to do. He needs us. He needs us to be his hands and feet, especially in this day and age. So, Laura, you mentioned how God's always preparing us in the now for things that he has for us in the future. And you've given some examples. Uh, We usually don't even realize what he's doing until later on. Um, And that was the case when you and Chris and your youngest daughter, Karen, were invited to go to Russia um, shortly after the wall came down, right? Or was it before? But how did how did that happen? And what did God do to you all during that trip? Just an amazing time. We had Chris had a successful uh, fulfilling Korea in the air force. And it was the wall, uh, Berlin wall came down in 1989 and 
Christmas time of 1991, we were in England. Um, the other kids had gone back to to school and Karen was still at home. She was a freshman at Wheaton College in Chicago. And Chris got a phone call from the States. A, a group of Christian uh, couples had been invited to go to Moscow and meet with military Christians in the Russian military, because now they're going to experience their first Orthodox Christmas in January of 1992. And they wanted to learn how to develop Bible studies for Christians in the Russian military. So this group in D.C., I guess they couldn't get enough people to go. And so someone knew Chris and said, well, hey, they, Chris is in England. Let's see if he can join us. So Chris came home and said, we have this opportunity, because he also said, can my daughter come? She's a freshman in college. So Chris came home and told us, and literally a week and a half, we found our the three of us on a plane going to Moscow. It was like, Lord, suddenly, what has happened? And Jody, uh, Chris spent a lot of time interfacing with Christian officers in the military, Russian military, just had a wonderful time of bonding. Karen and I went to children's hospitals, soup kitchens. We're meeting the Russian people. Our, our hearts are breaking for the poverty. And, and yet we're seeing these vibrant Christians alive with Jesus with so much hope for what God is go was going to do in their country. And so appreciative that we had come over to come alongside of them and just labor with them. And I do remember as, as we were leaving, first of all, we had given every bit of clothing that was not on our bodies that we possibly could away to, to friends. And we didn't have a dime on us as we left. You know, you just, you just were so grateful for what you did have and you wanted to leave as much blessing as you could with these people. And I remember Karen saying to me, Mom, how can we leave? How can we leave these people? I said, Karen, we have to, but we now know how to pray more effectively. We had prayed for years for the wall to come down. And suddenly it, our prayers were answered and Christians were beginning to come into Russia and come alongside the Christians there and help them with ministry. And um, we came back to England with hearts changed. Chris and I no longer had this desire, I guess you'd say, to be serving the Lord in the military. It was kind of like there's a whole different world out there. And within, um, I, I would say we hadn't been back more than a week. We went to a full gospel businessmen's fellowship with both British and Americans. And there was a British evangelist that was speaking, and he said, uh, would you mind if I go out and speak a word over a few of you? Occasionally the Lord does that. And they said, yes, he could. He came directly to Chris and he said, from the moment I've set eyes on you, I've seen a sign over your head saying change is coming and it's coming very soon. Jody, within two days, Chris was notified by his commanding general that he and, and his age group of colonels had been selected for early retirement. And Chris was like, wow. And his, his reaction was, praise the Lord. Now we can go into this next phase of our lives. He left meeting with the general, went to the chapel where he shared about Russia. And that's when it all fell into place. And with eight, within eight months, Jody, Chris had retired, and we were on our way to the Middle East, uh, where we would uh, work and serve for three years. That that really changed our lives. So, you know, that early retirement, it wasn't what you were expecting or even, even really planning on. You were serving in England, and I mean, the Lord did a very quick work uh, yes. to in your heart, but you know, everything that Chris had been through in, 
with his accident in the Air Force, um, you could have been bitter or you could have been fearful or you could have been um, anxious uh, about the future, but you weren't. And, you know, God had done that work, but just share a little bit more about that. I mean, you as, you know, as his wife, um, sometimes we take the offense of others, you know, who we love when we see them being heard or we don't feel like they are being treated like they should. Uh, just share a little bit about what God did in your heart during that time too. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the importance, Jody, of knowing the character of God, knowing the word of God, because when suddenlies appear in your life, you're actually prepared spiritually in a greater depth than you realize. And so to address the issue of bitterness, um, there's a warning in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, to look carefully lest anyone falls out of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springs up and defiles you. And so I knew right away that bitterness was not an option. I also knew that God was directing our lives. And we had to, we have to hold our lives and our plans loosely and always be willing for God to to move at a moment's notice. And so both Chris and I found ourselves embracing what the Lord was doing instead of being bitter, instead of holding on. We knew that God was our provider. We, we, we thought we were, would be sent back to the States for one last assignment. And that didn't happen in the military, but God always has new assignments for us. Whether he moves us or not, or doesn't move us, our lives are always in, in, in motion and God is giving us new, new opportunities. And this was a new opportunity for us. And so we found ourselves embracing it. Uh, And sure, we were a little concerned, like, Lord, this is all new to us but we're trusting you. And it turned out that we had a wonderful uh, two and a half years in the Middle East. And God just gave us such a heart for the Middle East and a greater understanding of conflict in the Middle East. And again, it was just a wonderful time of learning and serving the Lord. And then we came back and Chris went to seminary and we started a new chapter in our lives. Yeah. So, you know, it's so important that root of bitterness to not let that grow in our lives. Like you said, I, I had a a similar experience. I wasn't in the military, but I had been serving in an organization very faithfully uh, for over two decades. And um, one day I was let go, you know, no warning. It wasn't a mass layoff. It was me. Um, but, you know, the night before, the Lord had just said, she, the Lord had kind of told me, and there was no, I didn't do anything wrong. They just, the organization was changing direction and they didn't need my position anymore. But the Lord had told me, and, you know, when I walked out of that building that day, I had a lightness, you know, it was like God had opened a new door for me. It wasn't a door closing in my face. It was a door opening for something new. And when we do have that trust in the Lord, that God is a good God, that he's the one who directs our steps, that he's the one who raises us up and the one who places us, then we can have that confidence. doesn't mean it might not be bumpy a little along the way. doesn't mean we're going to have to hold on tight, but we can always have faith that God is good and that he's going to see us through. And there's a lot more to Laura's story, which we're going to talk about in our next episode. But as we close this one, Laura, would you share about a woman in the Bible who's inspired or encouraged or taught you something? Yeah, I have to say Ruth. I, I, I love the book of Ruth. It's only four chapters. It's a love story. And who doesn't really enjoy a love story? I find it interesting when couples get together, invariably, how did you two meet? And then they want to hear your story. Well, of course, the greatest love story is for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. 
but I find that Ruth is um, another great love story. She, when you think of it, she was a Moabitess. She had been married to to an Israelite. She lost her husband. She lost her brother-in-law. She lost her father-in-law. And now her mother-in-law, Naomi, who is destitute, is is going to return back to Bethlehem. And she refuses to leave her mother-in-law. And you hear it quoted at so many weddings, for wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. So she went from a, a culture of worshiping many gods to making a decision out of a heart of compassion to remain with her mother-in-law. But she also, I believe that Naomi had somehow been a witness that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was the true living God. And so we see that she is a courageous woman. She's hardworking. Um, and at the end, the fourth chapter of Ruth, we see that she's married. She has a child who is the grandfather of King David. But the women say to Naomi that, oh, the Lord has given you a daughter-in-law that's better than seven sons. I mean, she went from nothing to being this loved and honored woman in a culture that was not to really did not like the Moabites. And so it's just a wonderful story of you, you see the hesed of God, the kindness, the faithfulness, the compassion of God. God became her source of provision and the blessings were just just amazing. Yeah, much more than she would ever have imagined. Exactly. And Jody, every time you go in, it's a quick read. You see something else that's significant. You see the picture of Jesus being our Redeemer in Boaz. And you just see so many beautiful truths. So if I encourage women, if you're discouraged, if you're lacking faith, if you just are like, what, I just want to give up, go and read the the book of Ruth. It's a delightful account of God's faithfulness, his loving kindness. It's better. His loving kindness is better than life. Psalm 112 verse one and verse seven in the new living translation says, praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. They will not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. Laura was delivered from fear that had gripped her for years. And as she read God's word and learned of his character, she realized he is worthy of all our trust, our praise, and our adoration. She learned to fear God, which means great awe and great respect and so much more. And that gave her the confidence to trust the Lord. We're going to hear more in the next episode uh, of just how God has been true to his word in her life. But Laura, would you take a moment and pray for everyone who's listening to this episode? Yes. Oh, Father, we bless you. We praise you, Lord. We thank you that you are our faithful God. Lord, we thank you that you never leave us. You never fa fail us, Lord God. You are compassionate, forgiving. You always, always are there with us no matter what we face, Lord God. So I pray as we end this time of sharing this morning that all listening will be encouraged, Lord God, to get to know you better. Lord, give them a, give each of us, Lord, a continued hunger for your word, for your presence. Lord, put a garment of praise against any heaviness, Lord God. Thank you, Father, that in Isaiah 61, 7, we see that you remove shame and replace it with a double portion of honor. So I honor all that are listening today, Lord God, as I pray a blessing of peace, of joy, and courage as they trust you, as we trust you, Lord, every day. And we will give you praise and glory 
In Jesus' name, amen. You know, friends, there are widows as well as orphans all over the world who need to experience the tangible expression of God's love right now. Many have special needs that we as a company of women can meet together. Would you consider joining us with a special gift to help? Just go to hergodstory.org and click on the Widow and Orphan tab at the top of the page. Thank you for tuning in. In our show notes at hergodstory.org, you'll find scriptures and other information we talked about, as well as a link to a more in-depth testimony of Chris Mino and his airplane accident. Don't forget to sign up for our emails and get a six-week devotional book you can download for free, or you may want to purchase a 12-week devotional on women of the Bible for just $12, knowing that all the proceeds go to our Widow and Orphan Fund. We'd also love to pray with you on our 24-7 prayer and text line, so give us a call anytime at 855-459-CARE or email us at prayer at somebodycares.org. And now, dear friends, I bless you from Psalm 112, verses 1 and 6 through 9. Blessed are you who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. You will never be shaken or fear bad news because your heart is steadfast, trusting God. You are secure and will have no fear. In the end, you will look in triumph on your foes. You will freely scatter gifts to the poor and your righteousness will endure forever. Your horn will be lifted high in honor. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.